Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or go to the story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's service. So we've been in this series, Managing Meltdowns, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about big meltdowns, big meltdowns in people's lives. But the other day, I was kind of thinking about the little meltdowns that we face, the little meltdowns, the things that bug us that are just kind of little and insignificant, but they really get in our craw. You know what I'm talking about? Now, this is a non-rhetorical question, but how many of you have those little things? What are some things that just bug you? Just Dri okay, drivers, okay. Not all drivers, hopefully, but just some drivers. Uh, what else? Golf, okay. Golf, golf's a big thing. Golf's not a small thing. Golf's a big thing. What, what else did I hear? So, okay. What's that? Shoppers? Shoppers, okay. What's that? Clanging noises. Okay, all right, all right. What? Grammar or math, usually it's one or the other, depending on the type of person you are. Well, I don't have any of those, but my wife does. And, um, <laughs> no, actually, so most of you know what mine are. My, mine is username and passwords. Right? They drive me nuts. Everyone's a little different. Everyone is like, well, you have to have a capital with this one. Well, you have to have a symbol with this one. Well, you have to, and, and, and I always have people tell me the same thing. Well, you know, your device will save those. My device does not save them. I swear I'll put it in. I'll put it in exactly the way the device remembered it. And it still doesn't work. So they, they drive me nuts. My family laughs at me about this. My wife's little meltdown issue are key cards at hotels. You know, Seth? Yep, that's one, okay. So a few years ago, we went on a trip together, and uh, we took Madeline, I mean, and, and we were, where it was a vacation, and we, had a, we went to Florida, and we had a late flight, so it was like a red-eye flight almost. We didn't get into uh, to Miami or Orlando, wherever it was, until, I don't know, one or two in the morning, so by the time we got to the hotel, it was like three in the morning. So we walk in, and we see this gentleman behind the counter, and he's got these little wire rim glasses, and he looks like he's about 12 years old, and he checks us in and he has a British accent, okay? Now, here's the thing about British accents. Either, there's two types. There's the type that kind of makes you smile, that kind of is like, oh, they're, they're just so upbeat, and they make me feel, you know, so, so, so cheery. There's those kind. And then there's the kind that makes you feel judged, condemned, and talked down to, okay? Have you ever noticed that? Well, well this guy had the latter, okay? He talked like Carson on Downton Abbey. And so he, he gives us the card. He tells us to have a nice evening. We go up to our room. Our room is like on the top floor at, all the way at the end of the hallway. And we get down, and we're so tired. She has the key card. She sticks it in. She pulls it out. Nothing. Red light. Turns it over. Red light. Upside down. Red light. 
And she looks at me, and I'm like, hey, babe, I'm, okay, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So she goes back down, and she goes to the guy, and she goes, look, the, the card doesn't work. And he's like, hmm, well, did you put the card in right side up? Yeah, I put it in right side up. Did you try it front ways? Yes. Maybe you pulled the card out too quickly. No, I didn't pull it out too quickly. Maybe you pulled it out too slowly. You see, if you pull it out too slowly, then the card won't work. It won't activate the mechanism within the door lock. She's like, I did all that. She's like, he's like, okay, I'll give you another card. So he, he gives her another card. She comes back upstairs. She goes all the way down the hallway. She puts it in, pulls it out, red light. She looks at me, and I'm like, babe, do you want me to go down with you? No, I'm going to handle this. So she goes all the way back down. She goes to him. She, she gives him the card. She goes, still doesn't work. He goes, well, maybe, ma'am, it's because you have it too close to your cellular device. Or maybe you have a magnet in your purse that's deprogramming the card. She's like, I didn't even put it near my purse. So he gives her another card. She goes up. Well, this happens three times. We are so tired, we never get in the room. And she goes down the final time with the card, and she's like, it still doesn't work. And he's like, well, ma'am. And she goes, stop. Listen, Harry Potter, if you don't give me a card right now that works for my room, I'm going to lose it. Well, come to find out, he was giving us a card it, 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 that didn't work for our room because somebody was already in our room, okay? Yes, yes, yes. So meltdown, to say the least, and we finally got in our room. I don't know whether or not Harry Potter kept his job, don't really care. But we have sometimes these little things that can turn into big things that will drive us crazy. We have meltdowns. Now, we're going to be looking in Scripture today at a meltdown from a guy, several meltdowns from a guy in the book of 1 Samuel. Now, this, just to give you a little historical background on what's going on, this is during the time of the judges. So the, the people of Israel are, are in the land of Israel, and they have these different judges that rule over the land. And in history, there are 15 different judges that are listed. And some of those judges' stories are super, super well-known. There's Deborah, there's Gideon, there's Samson. Almost everybody has heard of Samson. Uh, but probably the most successful judge and the most loved judge by all of Israel was a man by the name of Samuel. Now, this is a look uh, or an account of Samuel's life when he was just a young boy. He was living with the judge at the time, Eli, uh, who was also, uh, he was the chief priest and he was also the judge. And he was supposed to be there helping out around the, tem around the temple or the tabernacle and, and, and basically just being almost like an intern. And so he's living there with Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 3, and Scripture picks up in verse 1. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli was almost blind by now because he was older, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. So the tabernacle at this point was this tent, and it was set up a certain way, and he was right by the ark of God, which was the holy of holies. So he's hanging out in there, he's, he's sleeping, and suddenly the Lord calls out to him, Samuel! Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? And he got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? 
I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not uh, yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Now eventually, Eli dies, and Samuel becomes the priest and judge, and is popular, so popular, and his respect uh, just among the people grows and grows. But as popular as Samuel was, Israel was still, was still clamoring for a king. They wanted to be like the neighboring countries, the countries that were around them, that had a monarchy, that had kings, and, and so they wanted that. And God had already rule, uh, told them many years before, don't do this, you don't want an earthly king, let me be your king. I will be your king. And so that's why he set up the judges. But people complained enough finally that he said, all right, you choose somebody from one of your tribes. And that's the next part of the story in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20. So Samuel... Okay, as an adult at this time, he's now the priest, he's now the judge, brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by lot. So they're trying to choose a king, they had these lots were like dice, and they would roll them, and then the Lord would manipulate these dice to fall on whatever they were supposed to do, or at whatever decision that they were supposed to make. Then he brought out each family, the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of uh, Matrites was chosen, and finally son of Kish, uh, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they choose him, but he's not there. So they asked the Lord, where is he? They're like, oh, we can't find him. This guy that you chose, where's he at? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. Okay, so he said, I guess he thought that the Lord couldn't see through Samsonite. I, I don't know. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. So he was, a, he was a magnificent specimen of a human. Then Samuel said to all the people, This is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Now, unfortunately, this was pretty much the highlight of Saul's reign. Okay? Saul had so many meltdowns as king that eventually he completely self-destructed. In chapter 13, we see that Saul is supposed to wait for Samuel to offer sacrifices to the Lord before he goes into battle. He gets impatient. He, he decides he's going to take matters into his own hand. And so he does the sacrifices without the priest, which is a, a big no-no. In chapter 14, he makes a stupid oath about hunger that almost costs him his son's life. In chapter 15, he disobeys God and spares the life of a wicked king. God said, destroy this king. He is so wicked, he will, he will cause people to be uh, pulled away from the Lord God Almighty, and he, he didn't do it. He, in chapter 19, he starts trying to kill David, the next anointed king, and he doesn't stop until he dies himself. In chapter 22, he slaughters 85 innocent priests because he believes that they aided David in some way. And in chapter 28, he consults a medium or a witch or a seer to try and communicate with Samuel who had died three chapters earlier. So not the perfect king. So why did Saul experience so many meltdowns? Well, it can all be traced back to two things. Insecurity 
and control. He would start to feel insecure, so he would want to take control. He couldn't handle that feeling of being insecure. And these are deadly combinations. They were deadly combinations in him. They can be deadly combinations in us. And if you think about it, this combination is the beginning of most of our meltdowns. You think about it. A lot of anger comes from insecurity or feelings of being out of control. Jealousy is usually always caused from some type of insecurity. Problems in relationships, once again, insecurity and control. So many times when we're doing marriage counseling, we're going through marriage uh, seminars or retreats, the core issue is one person in the relationship is insecure and the other person is, is controlling. Or maybe the same, the, the same for, for or, or both the same for the same person. Marriage meltdowns many times are from that insecurity and control, and so many of our meltdowns can be traced back to these dangerous, dangerous emotions. It's definitely a big difference between these two leaders. But why? Well, you see, Samuel, as we look at him, he, he was the greatest judge that ever lived. Saul was the worst king or one of the worst kings in Israel's history. And the difference is pretty simple. Samuel learned to hear God's voice at a very young age. But Saul had to rely on someone else to hear God for him because he never learned it for himself. Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to rely on somebody else to hear God's voice for you? There's times where that's okay. There's times where the Lord will communicate to others for you or on your behalf. But that doesn't mean that we don't try to learn how God speaks to us. You see, Saul had all of this responsibility. He had it all thrust upon him, but he never got the tools. He never got the tools to handle the pressures of being king. And when you don't know how to hear God's voice, or you stop listening to God's voice, Saul's issues become our issues. Insecurity and control can take over. Because we're not plugged into the voice of truth if we're not listening to God. The truth about how God sees us, the truth about what is going on in any situation in our life, the truth about our future, the truth about how much he loves us, about how much he has us, the truth about our fears and failures. If we aren't tuned into God's voice, then the voice of this world will drown out all truth and reality. Did you hear that? you know that that's what's happening in our world right now. So many people, they don't listen to God, so they allow culture to dictate their decisions. They allow others that are, that are not godly, anything but the word of God, to tell them what they should or they shouldn't do. And where there are insecurities and control issues, there are always meltdowns. Now, if there's anyone in Scripture that had the right to a few meltdowns, it was Paul. Like some of the stuff that the Apostle Paul went through, things that, that he had to endure, you would think, okay, Paul, I'm going to give you this one. Go ahead and melt down. Go back behind a tree somewhere and just let it all out. But you never see that happening with Paul. Because he had handled those hardships because he heard God's voice speaking the truth instead of allowing his circumstances to dictate his emotions and steer his destiny. 
So how does God speak to us? How does he speak to us? Well, he does it in a few different ways. The first way is through spiritual impressions. A spiritual impression, you might say, well, what is that exactly? Well, it's defined as an idea, feeling, or opinion about something or someone, especially one formed without conscious thought. Okay, so that's the, that's the written definition of it. But some may describe it as a gut feeling, okay, or, or maybe a hesitation, or a check in your spirit. Paul, who we just talked about, says in Acts 20, 22, he describes it as being compelled compelled by the Spirit. And, and, and it's hard if we don't really get used to or tuned to, into God's voice about spiritual impressions that a lot of times we'll let emotions, who can, can sometimes feel like a spiritual impression, dictate what we do. And emotions are dangerous. Emotions ebb and flow. Emotions, can be, we can be up at points, we can be down at points. And so we have to learn how to decipher the difference between an emotion, a random emotion, and a spiritual impression. Well, spiritual impressions, we know and can test them with, with the Word of God. Right? If, if, you feel, have, if you have an emotion that's telling you to do something that's against God's Word, you know it's an emotion and not an impression. That, that's one way we can test it. Another way we can test it is by going to somebody that we trust that can maybe intercede for us, that can kind of help us understand what we're feeling in that, that mo a moment. We have to be careful with that. And that's why it's so important, man, when we, when we learn to hear his voice, because you think about this as, with your own kids. You think about this. When, when, when you are in a crowd of people, maybe you're at Disneyland or something like that, and and. and, and, and Kids are around all kinds of different parents, and, and those, those parents are calling out their name of their kids, and, and, and your kid never turns around and even pays any attention to them. But when, when they hear your voice, when they hear you calling their name, they know it. They respond, and it's the same way. And the reason that is is because our kids become accustomed and they learn our voice. When we learn God's voice, and the more practice we get at it, the more, the better we'll be at hearing and understanding his impressions. The next one is dreams. Dreams. The Bible says this type of communication is actually going to begin to happen more and more as time goes on, as we get closer to end times. And we are seeing that. People are having dreams and visions right now all the time. And we, we know because we have, they're, they're coming to us. They're like, hey, could you help us with this dream? I, I had this dream. Could you maybe help me decipher it? Could you help me interpret it? Scripture says in Acts 2.17, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Don't be, surpri be surprised, church family, if your kids don't start coming to you with prophetic knowledge. Bible says it's going to happen. Your young men will see visions, and your own old men will dream dreams. When I was uh, in Bible college, um, I was getting some phone calls from a friend who actually worked at when it was called Fellowship of Excitement. Then it was actually called Grand Junction Baptist Church. That was our first name. Did you know that? Oh, thank you, Jesus. We're delivered. 
Now, I can say that because I was a Baptist. I'm just kidding. But it was called Grand Junction Baptist, and then it was called Fellowship of Excitement, and then we called it Fellowship Church, just, just to shorten it. So back when it was Grand Junction Baptist, one of my friends was calling me. He's like, hey, you know, we'd really like to have you come out here and be a youth pastor. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to finish school. I'm not, you know, I, I just, I'm not ready for that yet. Let, you know, maybe in the future, maybe, maybe when I get done in a year and a half or, or two years. And I remember during that time, I went to bed one night, and I had this dream. And it was one of those dreams that, that conjured up such emotion for me. And I remember it so vividly. I was standing in the back of an, of an auditorium, and I was watching this incredible Holy Spirit-filled uh, uh, Spirit, uh, uh, um, performance or praise session or whatever you want to call it, a performance for the Lord. And I was sitting on that back wall, and it moved me to tears. It was so beautiful. And I remember I wasn't on the platform and didn't, didn't really have a part of the, the program, but I was a part of what was happening for some reason. I didn't know why. And, and I was crying in my dream. Have you ever done that before? You're crying in your dream? I was crying in my dream, which, which caused me to start crying in, in, in my state, my awake state. So I woke up and I, and I was crying. And I was like, I never had anything like that happen to me before. It was so impactful, and I thought, well, what, where did that come from? Well, what, what is that exactly? And so uh, I, did, I, I thought, well, you know, maybe that means that that's going to happen to me in the future. That's, that's really what the impression I was getting from that particular dream. And so then I kind of started looking for that, started looking for that moment. And it wasn't but about a year later when I felt the call of Colorado, and then we started, I started here at Fellowship, and, and we, I started when the worship center was on, uh, where Taco Bill was on 29 Road, and, and, I, and I remember sitting in the back of that worship center and thinking, no, this isn't it. Like, I felt the spirit, but I was like, this, this isn't it. This doesn't look the same. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it's just not, it's not it. And then it was either that year or a couple years later, we'd grown so fast that we had to have our Easter or our uh, Christmas services at Grand Junction High School. Uh, so I don't know if you guys remember, remember us doing that. And we would do these huge uh, services on, around Christmas Eve, uh, like a cantata is what they were called. And we had an orchestra, we had this big choir. And, and, and uh, so I was a part of, of doing, helping with the ushers and doing the, um, doing the video production of that. And uh, so I, I was in the middle of all this happening, and I was leaning against the back wall of Grand Junction High School, and I was watching what was happening on the platform, and I realized that was it. It was exactly what my dream was, and it was manifesting before my very eyes. That's sometimes the way the Lord will speak to us. He was speaking to me in that moment, hey, stay the course. This is coming. I have a plan for you. You're going to be a part of something that's way bigger than yourself. Just hang in there. And so sometimes God will speak through dreams. And so it's important. If you have a dream that's that impactful, write it down. Have a little notebook next to your nightstand. Write it down because you'll probably, you may forget it, you know, before you, uh, 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 before you wake up. But God will speak to us through dreams. Number three, he'll also speak through us through his word and worship. And the reason that he speaks through worship is because most of worship is his word. We're just singing his word. And many times God will speak to us this way. But if we're not reading the Bible, if we're not on a Bible reading plan, then, then that takes one of the forms of communication out of God's hands. But I can't tell you how many times I've been in a worship session and something in a song spoke to me. 
That's God speaking to us through his word. Then he'll also use people. God uses human voice boxes to deliver, to deliver messages to us all the time. But it, we have to understand that the devil knows this, and so the devil will also use people to speak things into your life. That's why we have to be very careful of who we choose to allow to speak into us. They need to be Christians. They need to be hearing from the Lord too. That can be in person. That can be through podcasts. Have you ever listened to a podcast before and you, you're like, oh, that was so for me? Or, or maybe a church service. I, I had a guy last week come up to me after a church service and said, would you please stop talking to me? Every service I feel like I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the spotlight. You know my stuff. That's just what God is doing in your heart. And of course he was kidding. He was laughing. But that happens so often through a pastor or a small group leader, through somebody you hear in a podcast. Maybe it's a book that you're reading and God speaks to you through that. He'll use people. And the Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. And then if we won't listen in these ways, because those are the ways that the Lord will use first, then unfortunately for some of us, he'll use our pain. He'll use the pain in our life to speak to us last week we talked about that nebuchadnezzar went through this incredible meltdown for seven years because he wouldn't listen to god and so god spoke to nebuchadnezzar through his pain we see this in another judge's life samson i mean his story is full of pain he would never listen to god and jonah and david i mean david went through seasons of his life where he just would listen to god in, in such a great way and then he would go through seasons of his life where he stopped listening to god completely and it took losing his kids or some of his kids it took losing his kingdom before he decided to start listening to god again so many figures in the bible we see that just would not listen seasons and going through seasons of not listening to god and we've all been there you see a season is something that we move through a cycle is something that we repeat and the devil is an expert at turning seasons into cycles a season that you were supposed to go through for just a short period of time because you didn't handle the season in the right way, you turn it or the devil helps you turn it into a cycle. Now, I've told the story so many times from this pulpit about a meltdown that I went through, a season that I went through, where I wasn't listening to God. And, and he tried. He tried to speak through me in Scripture and through people. He tried to... To, to speak to me through impressions, to get me to stop going down the road that I was going down, and I was playing that compromise thing, right? Okay, God, I won't do that, but I'm still going to do this. Okay, God, I won't do that, and I, I'm still going to do this. And I put myself in a situation where I got jumped, and I, was, I got beat up, and I broke my back. And uh, I was in high school, I was a junior, and I remember laying in a hospital bed at 17 years old, and I was like, God, you got my attention. Now, God didn't cause me to get jumped, but God allowed it to happen because he knew what I could have in the future. He knew what he wanted to do with me in the future. 
But the road I was going down was not going to lead to that. And so as I laid there, I heard him speak to me through an impression, you have to quit compromising. You have to quit putting yourself in bad situations. I'm calling you to be my servant, but you, you can't do that going down the road that you're going down. And I remember thinking as a 17-year-old, you know, I'm, I'm I, so close, so close to being paralyzed. Why, why, did I, why did I do this? Why, why did I allow myself to, to be in this situation? What am I going to do now? Am I going to heal? Am I going to be able to play sports again? I mean, am I going to be able to, to walk normally? Am I going to be able to... Am I going to be able to be me any, anymore? And I, I remember going through all those fears in my mind. And as a 17-year-old, of course, you could blow those things up in such an incredible way. And then I felt like the Lord just told me, if you listen to me, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. But you have to listen to me. I know better than you. I know what you need. You, you know what you want, but I know what you need. And so God in that moment called me to ministry, to full-time ministry. But I would have never listened if I hadn't gone through that pain. So I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're listening to God. Maybe you've stopped listening to God. Maybe you've never learned to hear his voice. And as a result, you're going through some meltdowns. You've got some insecurities. You've got some control issues. Because when things go bad in your life, you just think, I can fix it. I control it. I can, I can make it better. And God's just saying, give it to me. Learn to hear my voice. Let's walk through this life together. So we're going to end this service with this song. And, and I want the Holy Spirit, and I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would move in this music. That you would move in these spiritual truths to speak to our hearts. Give us a personal message, Lord. We need to feel you this morning. We need a new touch from you this morning. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
So the Lord wants to speak to you this morning. He wants to speak to you. And he wants to say, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Just listen to me. Let me guide you. Let me give you direction. Silence your spirit enough to hear my voice. So Lord, we're going to do better. We're going to do better about reading your word. We're going to do better being sensitive, allowing ourselves to be sensitive to your impressions. Lord God, we're going to, we're going to surround ourselves with people that will speak the truth into our lives, people that we can trust. And Lord, you can trust us with dreams and visions if you want to give, us, if you want to give them to us, Lord. We'll get up in the middle of the night. We'll write them down. If you want to speak to us that way, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in visions and dreams in our people. 
And Lord God, I pray that you would keep us from any pain that we would ever have to go through. But it, if we won't listen any other way, that you'd bring that pain on. Because living for you and living under your cover is the most perfect place that we can ever be. We love you, Jesus. I thank you. I pray that you'd bind the spirit of control. I pray that you would bind any spirit of, of just being insecure. You would cast it out of our lives and that you would lose peace in us. And that we remember that you got us. And everything's going to be all right. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him a praise offering. He so deserves it. God bless you guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I'll ask you now to be my savior, to be my guide, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.